This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Wednesday, it's the 22nd of November, 2023. And today on the show, we are getting reaction to Mike Calvo from Numa Solutions interview from Friday last week. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest. How are you today? Oh, oh, thank you. I'm very well, thank you, Stephen <laughs> Scott. How are you, sir? Fine. I was really nervous saying hello to you. It never seems to go as planned. Like I say hello, and the reaction I get is so different every day. It's just hilarious. Well, you know, I like to um, I like to play it up a little bit. You know, keep you on your toes. Yeah, yeah. So I can I can do that all by myself. Well um, I just before we just before the show began, begun began. It's only be- just begun. Began. Please stop. <laughs> yes, I'm really worried now what you're going to say because we said a lot before we, we did hit say a record. lot before. I know, I know. I, I, this is the, th- the, the people that realize it's like you know, the hello in the program is kind of like an hour into a conversation. Yes, it never right. feels right to say hello in the middle of a conversation. You just would never start a conversation halfway through by going hello, hello again, um, hello again. Uh, no, in the first few moments before just before we began, I um covered myself in coffee so uh, i am a no 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 please that's not funny that's, that's, that's ableist stop that, that. ableist none of that nonsense are you okay Stephen? i've noticed you've been doing a lot of spillage lately i am spillaging quite a Is bit it, how's your essential necessary tremor uh, well, it's on the other hand, so I don't know what that says. Um, oh, okay. I'm a little bit concerned about that, that the right side is starting to get a bit uh, shaky as well. Mind you, maybe the coffee's not helping. Um, yeah, that's so true, right? You've got to be careful with the old essential tremor because, yes. you know, too much coffee sparks it off. It makes it, it, makes it worse. What's you can't live coffee? like this. You can't live if living is without, without coffee. coffee. I've started to drink hot chocolate. Now, oh. I don't know if that's a good thing, seeing as I am in- incredibly diabetic at the moment. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. But I've got to say, I feel calm. I feel oh. m- very relaxed all of the time. Sleepy, almost. Right. What's new? What's changed? Uh, yeah, true. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <sighs> Carry um, on. It's listen, been a, a lot roller to coaster. Through. Oh, tell you this week with news so we didn't mention it yesterday uh mainly because we didn't really know what to say yesterday um because it's just this news story is just changing all the time i feel like every second in my head breaking all I hear is this. New. breaking news <laughs> and then it's like oh what, what's changed now so apparently sam altman is now going back to openai as ceo so last time we spoke about this he was fired um then satya nadella from microsoft said Hey, come over here, guys. I've got a big office here. We don't use it for anything. We could put you in there and you could set you up and we could just take the whole company in with us. And then something happened. The board got upset. Then everyone else got upset and people began to get happy again. And, and they all have become friends. And, and what has basically become the real life succession program, um, he's now back. Uh, at least as far as we're aware at this point. But of course, currently, who knows by the time this airs whether or not <laughs> that's actually happening or not. This is a mess. 
the ultimate switcheroo. And now Sam's back and the board's out. I mean, uh, who knows what's actually going on here? The reaction was from the the rest of the staff and employees, right, threatening to leave in support of Sam. Yes, they, they That's love the him. news that we're getting, yes. And um, they had to do a quick turnaround because it, it did quickly collapse into chaos. It's been, tell you what, it's been intriguing. One of the most exciting stories in tech for a while. Yeah, that's right. It's it's like Love Island for geeks, um, or I don't know what the equivalent of that elsewhere around the world is. Um, Survivor. Survivor. Um, yeah, kind of like that. Who who will be left on the island? <laughs> I, you've got to sully it, haven't you? You got to take it down to the lower, uh, the lowest common denominator. This is this is top yes. breaking news that everyone is talking about, and it shows the power that Sam has. I mean, why has he suddenly become this uh, untouchable? Almost. No one can touch him. The board of directors had to disappear so he could come back. That is some power. And that shows, I think, the power uh, and support of OpenAI in itself. I saw a great comment the other day from someone saying, you know, and it was because we had mentioned the whole Steve Jobs comparison here, uh, which is is similar, but not the same, um, but similar Mm -hmm. kind of situation where essentially Steve Jobs was forced out of Apple. Um, But they were saying, you know, this is what, this would have looked like any social media age. You know, things were a lot slower in Steve Jobs' time. You know, ah, that's th- really interesting. Yeah, that's I, a good I never point. really put that together, but yeah, that's so true, isn't it? Because you think about it the is. social media impact of how quickly people react and how quickly people respond, and then how quickly they come to, and, and not just, I mean, not just people like you and I talking about it, but, you know, inside the company getting the news, knowing what's going on, and then being able to react appropriately, come together, unionize, whatever it is they're doing to actually, you know, say, we're not happy with this. And then the result is he's back. Um, that, that would be interesting to see what would have happened to Steve Jobs' time. Although, granted, again, it's a different thing. And, and I think as, as Steve Jobs perhaps would agree, he perhaps needed his own time in the wilderness. So um, yes, maybe it would have worked out the same. But, yeah. Absolutely. The, the reaction was so visible to to this through social media it, it definitely had an effect i mean you had big names out there giving their support to sam and questioning this as well as um you know uh, the 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 users of openai giving their um thoughts about this so it was so visible it was so in front of everyone it's um yeah i think this is the first time we've had something like this at that level i think as well because this is such a new technology with open ai and i know and i know you're going to say well not you but other people say this to me all the time yeah but ai has been around forever yeah i know that but i think this is the first time we've seen ai in a really um actually actively important way in our lives it's part of our everyday lives now it's becoming part of our everyday lives at consumer level i would argue exactly yes, ai has always been there but it's always been in the background now this is right in front of us and more than that let me just say this you can now everybody can now access the voice chat feature of chat gpt so if you've got the app open it up and you can now talk to it like you're talking to the voice assistant. You did have that before, but that was only available to subscribers. Uh, I tried it with the action button, and I absolutely love it. So I urge people to go out there, try the chat GPT. Even if you're not paying for it, you can now use the voice chat. It's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's the cool thing. I've actually got a clip of it here. I'm going to play this in. This is what oh. it sounds like. Uh, so if you talk, if you question, this is what someone's doing here. They're asking a question, and this is the team at OpenAI, demonstrating the features. So you'll get the little in-joke here, I think. It's been a long night for the team, and we're hungry. 
How many 16-inch pizzas should I order for 778 people? For a large group of 778 people, assuming an average of three slices of pizza per person, and each 16-inch pizza provides around 12 slices, you'd need to order around 195 pizzas. This ensures everyone gets at least three slices. Would you like to know where to order from or anything else about organizing food for a large group? I mean, how cool is that? Well, as I said, AI doesn't always get it right. Three slices per person. I, mean, I don't think so. But yeah, but hang on. These, these are uh, people who watch their consumption of food. I think that's the difference. Ah, well, yeah, yeah okay. No, I'll, I'll let them off. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it is absolutely fantastic. It's like your best experience with your smart speaker times a thousand. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Definitely check it out. And it's that voice. That voice sounds like someone cannot place who it sounds like. I want to say, who's the one? Oh, I'm hopeless with people. Oh, the name is in my... It, it, oh. She's an actress. She's in... I, I'm turning into my grandfather. Exactly. You know the one. The one that was in the that thing. The one that was thing. in that thing. Barbara was it Streisand. The Hunger Games? Oh. Um, oh um, what's her name? I have no idea. She's in I'm all never... these... Uh, not X-Men. I, I don't know You're what it talking is. talking to the wrong person. I have I know. no idea. There's, there's someone who sounds like her, and I cannot think... Oh, the, the, it will come back to me at some point. I oh, can good. see her in my mind. We look, we look forward to that. Stay tuned. Um, <laughs> all those voices are professional voice actors. Um, there's, I think, five or six available. Um, so you, ca- you can choose. If you go to the menu, go to settings, go to speech, you can choose your voice. But all of them are absolutely amazing. The best TTS I've ever heard. If I've ever it. heard. Amazing. Well, absolutely brilliant. Uh, so, yeah, look, we've got lots to uh, cram in today. We, we could talk more about the whole OpenAI saga. To be honest, I think it's just developing too quickly for us a little bit here. I think we just maybe need to let the dust settle on this. Yes. And then let's see what happens. But it seems to me as if if, if Sam does end up back at OpenAI, it's business as usual. Um, I mean, maybe there's there's an argument that says things will ramp up a little bit faster things may change i mean how can it go much faster to be perfectly honest it's going yes. so quick as it is but um yeah they might be able to get that uh, that speed up a bit more with with especially things like the vision capabilities i think that's something they're really keen to to develop into but you know i think ultimately what it shows is the amount of trust people have in a company and how that can change just with one person going you know, I, I could see people saying, hey, is it safe now to, you know, is it safe to build an API on GPT? You know, instantly concerned that the whole thing is going to collapse if Sam Altman's not there. Yes. And I think, Where's- and to be fair, that was kind of driven by the fact that Microsoft and Satya Nadella were looking to essentially take on Sam and his team. So I think a lot of people thought there's going to be a division here. And, you know, is it a case of at some point we must jump ship to Microsoft on this? I mean, this would have been an incredible coup for Microsoft to get access oh, to all of that. Basically, company, uh, you know, all the staff, everything yes. with zero dollars and zero regulation. That's pretty cool, right? Yes, uh, I, I'm sure they would have been happy with yeah. that result. But um, Shrewd move from Satya. You know, he's, he's a smart man, is Satya yes, Nadella. Um, I actually think, I have to say this, I think he's, he's the best person to lead Microsoft at this point. I think he's just, he's a, I, I actually really, really rate him so highly as a, as a CEO, as an individual. I think he's an incredible guy, by the, but just from everyone, you know, people I've spoken to who've either had dealings with him directly or people who, you know, just work in Microsoft and say, do you know what? What a great, what a great leader. 
Well, Microsoft um, has definitely changed since he's took the helm. Hugely, yeah. yeah. And of course, now there's talk about Tim Cook's successor. He's starting to do the podcast run. Maybe he'll come on to our show at some point. You never know. Anytime, Tim. Good morning. Good morning. Do you think he'd now, like that or do you think he'd just can leave? I, can I just say that <laughs> Stephen and I do that every morning on WhatsApp. I, have to say, I did I, it once. I hate and myself. I, I hate you for it now because now I have to bear this every day. Every time I, I can't good stop morning. myself. Oh, I can't God. stop it. Love you, well, Tim. Please stop. Yeah, I must come on. Uh, come on, and uh, if you're if you're doing all the other ones, you should do us. I mean, obviously, you get to us at the end. Yeah, yeah, we know our place, sir. Yeah, exactly. But uh, no, you've been more than welcome. But you know, it does look as if he's about to name a successor as well. Lots of, and of course, names are starting to pop up all over the place. Hmm. I haven't got a, an idea yet. Just as long as it's not say. that guy who does the whole bit. You know about the the processors? Him that lives in the the, the dungeon in Apple, the dungeon, yes, the dungeon I guy. Do. He comes out and he talks about processors and puts us all to sleep for an hour. The, as long as it's not him with the soldering iron behind his ear. Yeah, that <laughs> one. Right. Uh, no, he's he's very very clever, but uh, probably very not the smart face. man. But keep him in the yes. dungeon. Keep him making things. That's what he should be doing. He's brilliant at that. Uh, look, we've got lots of feedback in following Mike Calvo's interview as. Maybe no surprise to you whatsoever. Uh, Mike Calvo was on the show on Friday talking about Humane AI and their new PIN product, which has been announced and lots of conversation, of course, around that. Mike's concern was around the inaccessibility or at least the lack of mention of any accessibility or disability on stage. And uh, lots of you have been getting in touch. We're going to kick off with an email from uh, Glendon. Laura, as always, is here to read through our emails. Hi there, Stephen and Sean. Just listening to the review of the Humane AI product. I agree with you totally, Stephen. I always try to give the other person the benefit of the doubt first and investigate before lashing out. Looking forward to finding out if they respond to your message you sent off. Quite frankly, if there is no screen reader because it's all voice, then the product won't be accessible for blind people because they won't be able to type in the question they want to ask without disturbing others in quiet venues. However, if they have a headphone jack and an on-screen keyboard, which they should have, they will be able to type their GPT question without speaking. As Sean stated, I do understand and agree with much of what Mike was saying, and I am still concerned for the future with regards to accessibility, because there is a big money problem out there, and people are afraid, or should I say corporations are afraid, to open any door which will cost them money. This means we are bound to take a hit along the way in the future. The lack of transparency and communication by some companies is deafening at times, isn't it? I find that customer service, as Bill Mayer said on his debate show called Real Time with Bill Mayer, could be called customer disservice. It's difficult for anybody to get satisfaction today, and I don't see that changing anytime soon if we have to call up computers and negotiate their algorithms in order to get our bottom line answer that a person can answer in a matter of seconds. This is a money issue, and all of us cited, and otherwise, will have to endure the pain until the system has had all of the quirks removed. I would love to have a chat with Mike and say, hey Mike, love you man, but how about going through the proper channels before airing opinions and complaints in the public forum? I would also say, love you Mike, and without people like you, we likely wouldn't be this far ahead today. These are crazy times. It's hard to know sometimes how to respond or react given extreme circumstances. All we have in our lives are words to communicate with, and they ain't perfect, are they? This is why it's so important for us to choose them carefully and take care in how we deliver them. Don't know if this helps, but there you go. That's all for now from Glendon. Yeah, I've got to say, Glendon, I, I kind of uh, feel where you're at on this one. You know, it's a difficult one. And on one hand, I don't necessarily agree with the approach, but then at the same time, I can totally understand why he's at that stage, why he's gone 
to that uh, degree, that, that, that level of passion where it's coming from, because he's, as he said himself, he's sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I, I really kind of liked that phrase because it kind of said a lot to me, actually. I, I got that. I, I did understand that. Yeah. He did a lot to almost actually change my mind on this, I will be honest. Really? Because, well, we all have that frustration. And everyone, the only issue I have is that I, I'm not making a decision out of a 10-minute video that we're not mentioned in or accessibility mm. isn't mentioned in. I just don't think that's enough. Anyway. Oh, by the way, Scarlett Johansson. That's the actress's name oh, I was thinking about. Oh, of course. Scarlett Listen Johnson, to this. yes. Listen to this. For a large group of 778 people, assuming an average of three slices of pizza per person. You see what I mean? Uh, no, I have no idea what she sounds like. But yes. She sounds like that. Does she? Yeah. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. <laughs> Does that sound like Scarlett <laughs> Johnston or whoever? <laughs> yeah. And if you're listening, Scarlett, you're more than welcome to chime in on this. Do you sound like that? And should you perhaps take up a copyright case? Who knows? Um, okay, let's move on. Uh, Anexus writes in. Hello, everyone. I have to admit that I'm not surprised by Mike Calvo's reaction to Humane's launch. I didn't want the launch, so I have no opinions on it specifically, but I do have some thoughts on his reaction. On one hand, I understand. Accessibility is very important to me and I get very frustrated with companies that don't have accessible websites and services. A very good example is Fiverr. I couldn't set up a seller profile, so I can't offer my services through a very popular site that could potentially get me clients. Unlike Humane, they've been around for years, so they should be accessible. I mentioned here before that I'm attempting to build my author career. The sites I used to self-publish my book aren't the most accessible. I had to jump through too many hoops just to get something published. This shouldn't be the case. These are very well-known companies in the author community, which means they should offer accessibility to everyone. To a degree, I agree with Calvo. It's not fair. While there has been some progress, it's not enough. In an ideal world, everything would be accessible to us, but unfortunately, we're not there yet. The other thing to note is that we're not marketed to. Marketing is for mainstream. We should be included in this marketing since we're part of the mainstream. Accessibility is last in production. It's also buried in settings if it exists it needs to be at least mentioned. I think, however, that Humane is still new. I think we need to wait and see where it goes. It's too soon to judge. This also got me thinking about advocacy. I have a YouTube channel and every year I have a tradition to share stories on Blindness Awareness Month. I feel I better educate people through stories. I do post some outside of Blindness Awareness Month, but I make an effort to have four videos during October related to blindness. Next year's theme will be advocacy. I'll share stories about my experiences advocating for myself and how the situations turned out. I'm considering giving tips as well based on my experiences. This reaction got me to think about the expectation to advocate for some of the blindness community. I feel like the blindness community can be very judgmental if you don't advocate for accessibility among other things that are necessary. I find that some may disparage those who benefit from the advocacy done for not advocating themselves without any consideration. I think it's important that we take into account that not everyone has the mental or emotional capacity to advocate. We don't know why others don't do so, but we shouldn't judge them for it. It's a disclaimer I plan to make in my videos, but I wanted to share this and get your opinion. Also, in answer to your question, Stephen, yes, I'll record something related to my experience with TimeCrest, as it's the only text adventure game I have. Regards, Anexis. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing about that. I'm really intrigued by these text adventure games. Oh, oh Stephen's yeah, going to get to be a gamer. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. You know me. I'll be in there with Call of uh, Warfare or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> well done. 
to me, Fortnite is two weeks, uh, just to be clear. That's, that's my <laughs> understanding of that. Um, no, it's interesting you bring that up about the whole, you know, those who don't speak out. I think, Alexis, you're absolutely right. You know, Mike said it as well. I've said it too. There are times we must speak up if we can. And for those of us who can, we should. Um, but not everyone can. And that's the important bit of this. There are still lots of us who are still beachballing our way through vision loss, right? We're still stuck, um, yeah. kind of trying to figure out what to do next, where we are, where we're at. You know, and, and even if you think you've got it, even if you think you've figured it all out, even if you have a win, the next day something can happen that can knock you entirely and you go back to beachballing again. And I think that that's something that, and that's, I think that's part of everyday life as well. I don't think that's unique to blindness. Um, I think it's just more prevalent because it's such an important part. We're losing a sense. The same would be true of hearing or of motor or physical, you know, of any disability, I suppose. Um, mm. But I think, it, 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 you know, where we have the capacity and, you know, I have days where I do this show and some days, if I'm brutally honest, some days mentally, I'm just not there for it. You know, I do my best. But there are days where I'm, as you know, Sean, because you and I have had this chat beforehand. I've even sometimes brought it up on the show. Sometimes I haven't. Yes. Sometimes I'll just keep it between you and I. But there are days where it's difficult. You know, it's it's, it's actually challenging. And um, I mean, like yesterday, for example, I went out yesterday to meet a friend. I met him for 45 minutes. And I think he felt quite bad about it. I think he thought, oh, I wish he had more time. But he didn't have the time. He was busy working and he, he had to get back to work. And he was blind as well. And he said to me, you know, I'll, I'll only be able to stay for 45 minutes. To be honest, that was perfect for me. That was like the best meetup ever. Yes, yes, exactly. I could just, yeah, I could, I could almost just like use enough energy to meet him, chat away about the day. And he's, you know, it's like you and I, you know, it's just, we just get together. We just talk. There's no, there's no stress or anything. Yeah. No pressure. You don't have to watch what you're saying or any nonsense. You just talk, right? And um, it was just really nice. And we had a really nice catch up. And that was it. And I was done by the end of it. I was exhausted by the end ever, of the journey and everything else. Do you ever get comfortable enough where you stop thinking about how you're getting back? How the, the, the travel home, the commute home? I've always, always got that in the back of my head. I often think it must be like living in a very large house in the woods and you've just watched a horror film. Um, in that <laughs> yes. you get comfortable. And when you get comfortable, that's when something happens. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yes, I, 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 yes, I definitely it's like You do. get that feeling of, actually, do you know, I feel quite chilled, feel quite relaxed. And then suddenly it all comes flooding back, the, the journey, the travel, the, the when the bus is going to be, what happens if I miss the bus? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you know, what happens? I mean, you know, even as simple as because, you know, this is the endless battle I'm I'm having with the bus company at the moment, where the bus picks me up in town, it, it doesn't have a set bus stop. So it could actually pick up at different points along the same street, which is quite oh, a long street. Oh, that's handy. Yeah, yeah that's great. Good. Yeah. So you can't just pinpoint a location on a map and say this is where it is because it moves around. Um, And it's just, it's so, you know, and it's those kind of things you're thinking about. Most people wouldn't even give that a second thought. They walk onto the street, they see the bus, they don't see the bus, they move up the street because they see it's further up the street. You know, they, they just adapt. But, yeah. you know, you can't do that. If you, if you don't know where it is, and of course it's like a street full of the same types of big coaches, right? So I could end yeah, up in, knows? I don't know, Greece yeah. by the time yeah. I'm, you know, <laughs> That'd finished. That'd be nice. Yeah, it'd be but nice to get somewhere different, you know, like a, a bit of heat. 
I think that's the reason that no one's shouting down Mike about this because we're not saying, oh, you're, you're, you know, I don't think anyone has come back and said, oh, totally wrong, you know, totally irrational or anything because we've all got that shared experience of, of feeling ignored by companies, you know? So I think, yes, absolutely. Uh, it's just a case of me of the passion and some of the things said uh, in regards to the humane one. Mm. But I absolutely... Um, sympathize and empathize with what Mike said, the passion behind it. Let's see what Dan says. Laura reads our emails. Hi, Stephen and Sean. I am responding to your interview with Mike Calvo. I agree with his passion, but think his reaction is inappropriate. His constant expletives reminded me of trash talking on TV where people get into cat fights. There are some things he needs to understand before he rants and raves. That would help him respond in a constructive manner and address the issues he's concerned about. His language made me think you might need to add a content advisory to your podcast. All too often, blind people see conspiracies everywhere. They accuse assistive technology companies of ripping them off. Mike Calvo used to rant and rave on his Serotech podcast about what he called blindness ghetto technology. Using the word ghetto in that context is quite incendiary. He also once suggested on his podcast that the National Library Service for the Blind in the United States should be discontinued. I thought that was a particularly irresponsible statement, considering that is the only source of books most blind US citizens can use. Not everyone can afford subscriptions to commercial book services like Audible. Mike seems to have a bad habit of making incendiary statements and then having to apologise. I find it sadly ironic that when listening to a recording of a speech he made, he criticised himself for being the angry blind person. I thought in the past 10 years he had grown up and learned to behave like an adult, but he is reverting to his old pattern. You would think a business owner would have the good sense to realise that whether he likes it or not, people form an opinion of him and his business based on his actions. I'm not discounting the good he does for the blind community. His company offers innovative solutions which address needs which haven't been met before. I think before anyone responds to the accessibility issue of the AI pin, they should realise that accessibility doesn't exist in a vacuum. Many issues need to be addressed before a non-disabled person can even discuss what accessibility means. The biggest challenge is a lack of awareness. We can't expect hardware and software developers to instinctively know what accessibility means until we have a society where disability is no longer a barrier. Non-disabled people need to grow up with and interact with persons with disabilities. Schools need to teach disability etiquette. Computer science training programmes must include accessibility principles in their curriculum. Blind people need an equitable education where skills like Braille, travelling with a cane and assistive technology use are adequately provided. Employers need to hire persons with disabilities. Until these things happen, I don't see how we can expect hardware and software developers to automatically consider accessibility as a given. It's difficult for a non-disabled person to understand us until they get to know us and walk in our shoes. Mike needs to realise that life isn't fair. Consider the fact that most of the world's population verges on the edge of starvation. Migrants are fleeing famine, civil war and personal persecution to find a haven somewhere. Blind people need to remember how lucky they are. Most of us have adequate food and housing. Many of us are lucky enough to have held down well-paying jobs. Life isn't fair to anyone. I suggest that Mike takes a deep breath, counts to ten and maybe drink less coffee. I thought Stephen handled the interview diplomatically. Dan. Dan, really interesting points. I will start off by saying that Mike is not here to answer those specific 
questions or queries that you had about previous comments he made. We can only talk about the humane AI pin conversation that we had here on the show. Uh, so I want to be very clear on that from our point of view, because I want to be fair to Mike, right? But, uh, yeah. but you do raise some interesting points. And, um, you know, I've been in touch with Mike since the interview, and Mike is very keen to hear your reactions. And I know he will take all of this on the chin, as Mike tends to do. Um but I think it's it's interesting to hear that take because I, I think the challenge as well is, and this is the other unfortunate reality, Dan, I think, that so those that do put the head above the parapet and actually do speak are at, at risk of being targeted by the people who they are trying to support because they might not do it in a the manner they like. And that's a danger as well. And that happens because there's so few of us speaking out. And that's no fault of anyone, but that's just the reality of it. There's so few blind people out there that it's like if the if a blind person does the wrong thing, then it's like you've ruined, you've destroyed it for the rest of us, you know. And I think but, that's another danger in this, you know. That, but the flip side to that is that you could feel like, oh, you're not speaking up about this, therefore you're not, you know. It's almost that you're uh, ridiculed yourself for not speaking up about something that you may not have the same passion about. So it works well, both this is, ways. This, but this is my thing, right? So I've often said this, that this is the problem. The problem is ultimately there's not enough of us speaking out. You know, when someone says to me, I'd like to do another podcast about blindness, do you think I should? You know, there seems to be a lot of them out there. And I often say, well, yeah, but, you know, no one ever asked the question, are there, are there too many books? So maybe I shouldn't write another one. Um, oh, I, I totally get that. So I, I think, totally but, but so, so there's that side of it. But then the next step is that it doesn't really matter in my mind what people are saying because if there's more of us speaking out, you'll get that diversity of opinion and thought, which is what yes. I want. I don't want there to be one true opinion or one way of dealing with it or one approach. But we should have a difference of opinion inside our community that we should be airing and talking about. That's what this show is about. It's not just saying there's one way to deal with this. And that's it. There's, there's my way of doing things. And, you know, you talked about the, the language Mike used and how we should have put a content warning on the show. I, I'm not doing that, and I'll tell you why. Because first off, we're all adults here. And secondly, um, that is not a standard we're setting for the show. All right? This isn't going to become trash talk radio. That's not what this is about. And that's not what I don't, I don't think that's what that was on Friday. I think we had a very passionate person who had some very passionate opinions and who laid them out. And language to me, bad language or otherwise, I'm not going to let that be a barrier to good conversation. And I'm not going to slam someone for using bad language. We're all adults. And if you don't like it, there is an off button. That's the way some, this works. That's the way some people use language when they talk. I mean, it, as you say, it's, yeah. it's all grown up. And I will say, you did say before we aired it, that there was some language. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So be, ad be advised. So we 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 didn't just spring it on people. I, I'm not. I, I, if there are nine year olds listening to this, then yeah, absolutely, maybe cover the ears. But you know, I, I don't think that's the case. I don't think there's many nine year olds listening to this show. So I'm not too worried about that. And you know, I think we always try and keep this respectful. But at the same time, and of course, we will always bleep out words if we think they're offensive. There are standards we stat we set here at the show and at the network, and and we follow that. And we took advice on all of that before we had the interview. But. Um, I, I just think we have to be, we have to allow ourselves to be honest. We have to allow ourselves passion and the freedom to speak. But equally, Dan, and this is the key bit, you get the chance to come on and say what you said. That's how yes. this works. Yeah. That's ultimately what I believe in, that I believe in. And free speech comes with consequence and free speech comes with the ability for someone to tackle it. You, you might not agree with what the other person's saying. That shouldn't stop that person saying it. 
Now, I know you're not suggesting that, Dan. That's not what you're suggesting at all. You're saying that your opinion, at least, is that it just went too far. He went too far with it. Uh, and I take your point about the the reality, and I think it's a, one thing I really agree with actually here is the idea of progress. We kind of forget. Someone mentioned uh, the, the the Bill Maher show Real Time, which I listen to on on podcast every week. I love it. Yeah, and um, I, he talks a lot about progress in society and how we don't talk about progress. We talk about the things that are wrong. We talk about the challenges, but we never really talk about the progress. Things have moved a lot. I mean, you look at the products. Just look at in the blind community, the products that are now available to us. Now, are there lots that aren't accessible? Absolutely. Could they be more accessible? Sure. Are there issues? Of course. But look, look what we have access to. Things we would never have had access to when I was at school, and that was only, well, okay, it was a few years ago. But, you know, <laughs> things, have, things have improved, and I think we have to sometimes stop and take stock as well of what has improved. Yes, and this is where I, I kind of agree with you, Dan, because I think that's maybe where it may have felt that Mike's points, for me especially, just felt a little bit wider the mark sometimes. Because it was, he was talking about, you know, we're, we're, and, and I agree, but I do think today we're still seen as second-class citizens. I, I agree that. But that's a social issue. I think on a technological level, we're far further forward than that. Well, that's what Dan was saying towards the end there. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Really interesting comments. More to come. This is Double Tap. Call the Double Tappers now. 1-877-803-4567. Or email us. Feedback at DoubleTapOnAir.com. I love that you had Mike Hubble on to express his feelings about the humane AI pin. I 100% agree with his feelings and approach. And applaud him for always being the one time after time, again, over the years and decades, demanding that we blind people be treated with dignity and respect. But most importantly, to be treated like a human, like anyone else. It's not too much to ask for equity in this world, especially for us being viable customers who want to be able to experience the latest and greatest innovation in tech. It seems like we are always being hit by the blind tax, whether it is be that we have to pay more for things to be accessible or lose out on access to info. I'm wondering if any blind people took the plunge and pre-ordered the Humane AI pen anyways to see how it might be used by a blind person and try to feedback directly to Humane firsthand as a customer. I thought about this. I thought about doing this. My wife reminded me that I had a device similar to this six years ago, which was an AI voice assistant that was shaped in a round circle, announced notifications out loud. There was a button to push to ask the assistant. It was like a pin that had a magnet on the back of it that held it attached to one shirt. She said, it's just going to sit unused in the closet like that other one. <laughs> oh, I know that feeling. I think I've got a cupboard full of 
technology like that. Partners um, and their common sense and I know. logic. It's really Thoughts annoying. And smart thinking. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. Kevin, thank you for that. That was Kevin who uh, sent in that voice message. And, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, Kevin. I do. I think we have to be careful, though. We don't make this a catch-all situation for all the grievances we have about companies that don't provide the accessibility we want. I want to go back to the key point I was making, which was that, that we don't know the response at all about this. Now, I have to say, I, I think you may have been too quiet now on this. This is now the case. There's been a number of articles published. We've been talking about this. We did get in touch with Humane to give them the interview in advance so they could respond. Uh, they haven't done. Um, so I, I do take the issue now. We're at the stage of mm, there's been no response, nothing at all. Okay. But I think there's also that fear companies have of getting it wrong. You know, people and companies are not this similar in that regard. There are a lot of people who just do not know the right thing to say. And mm. they may be looking to reach out. I would put it to Humane today to reach out to us here and allow us to help guide you on this, to help guide you to, to not worry about saying the right thing. I don't mean on air necessarily. If you want to have a private chat, we'll have a private chat. I don't mind. But the point is, it's important to have a conversation and understand that, you know, we are people too. And I think that's where the difficulty can come because we are people first, right? I know that some people love to put their identity beforehand. I, I don't. I'm Stephen. I'm always, if I meet you, I'll shake your hand, I'll say I'm Stephen. And that's it. I'm a person first. They, but, you know, when it comes to my technology, I need it to be accessible. And so let's have a conversation about that and how that can be the case. Now, again, we don't know the response. And it could be the case. And I think Kevin brings up a great point. Are there any blind people out there who've actually bought one? Now, of course, here in the UK, we can't as yet. So it would have to be someone in the US. They're still not available. You can pre-order. You're not going to get your hands on one until next year, early next year uh, at best. But has anyone in the US who's blind actually put their money where their mouth is? And I think the only person I know so far is Mike Calvo. Yeah. Because he's he's pre-ordered one. Uh, yep. So we'll be interested to to hear his take on that when he finally gets hands-on with it. But uh, I do appreciate the comments, Kevin. Uh, now, Greg got in touch. Greg from Pennsylvania. Now, this was before the interview. He was reacting to the Humane AI pinch, uh, pin launch. <laughs> the pinch. The Humane AI <laughs> pin launch. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, and also my uh, decision not to buy the most expensive MacBook ever. Hello, Double Trouble crew. Oh, my gosh. Stephen did not <laughs> buy the most expensive top-of-the-line billionaire Mac. The weatherman is reporting it's getting awfully cold down below and hell is likely to freeze over when Stephen's return <laughs> privileges expire. Wow, what will we all do with a sensible Stephen? <laughs> Regarding the humane AI pin, I understand your excitement. If this catches on, it will be great for us. I think the concept is flawed as a mainstream device. Sighted people do like to use their eyes. They like to watch cat videos and babies doing silly things, TV shows and movies, and even read silently with their eyes. I really don't see it fitting into what the mainstream wants to do with their tech. As an assistive technology device, it has great potential if it's economically feasible. I would temper your expectations a bit. Regards, Greg in Pennsylvania. Now that's a really interesting take, actually. Is this something even the sighted community want? That's a great question. Well, again, and it's kind of going back to Kevin's message as well before, with his previous device this is a new level of AI. And I think that's the use case here. How useful is it going to be? Um, 
I, I made the point of it's it's like a smart speaker, you know, magnified a hundred times. Um, how useful would a wearable smart speaker in its current form now, you know, an echo assistant, for example, how useful would you find that out and about? But add the capability of image description and, um, you know, the power of, well, now we have voice chat in chat GPT. Um, I, I would suggest people try using that and see actually if there is a need for it. I, I think there is. I think mainstream will latch onto this. It may be a slow burn, but I think they will see the power of AI. I do think we in the blind community tend to see the benefits first because we look for them. We actually look for a yes. solution to something. And you know, we'll, we'll see it as a potential solution. And then we get annoyed, really annoyed if it doesn't work out that way. <laughs> yes, and know, we've had absolutely. And we've all had our fingers burnt before. We've all had it. We've all seen products come out, loads of great ideas, and they never quite hit the mark. They just aren't And this could be the same. This could absolutely yeah, be the absolutely. same. Yeah, I mean, Greg does make a good point about tempering our expectations here. But again, we're always looking for the potential of a product. And um, I think there is a lot of potential here. I want to make a point as well that I meant to bring up earlier is, is this talk about a screen reader. I find this really confusing. Uh, why, you know, has it got a screen reader or not? Well, has your smart speaker got a screen reader? The only time it's got a screen reader is the ones with the display. So why would you expect a, a voice interface to have a screen reader? Okay, let's hear, from, let's hear from Paul on this one, because I think that he talks a little bit about this. Hi, guys. It's Paul here from Ripley, very old England. I just wanted to get in touch regarding the AI pin mentioned on Friday's show. Um, completely understand the gentleman's frustration um, with being blind and feeling like a second-rate citizen, but I think it's a bit over the top, um, a bit unfair, really. I think it's important to bear in mind that this is not a new smartphone. It's not built off the successes of previous generations. This is a complete new product. Um, if a new car is released or a new washing machine or a new cooker, we don't expect disability to be front and centre in the launch or even to be considered. Yeah, a great idea that it is and should be, but I just think it's important to realise this is a complete new product. It's a mainstream product. It's not built from the ground up for blind people. And in a weird way, is that not what we want? You know, I buy an iPhone because it's off the shelf. It's not specialist tech and it works for me. And I think with the AI pin, it's a similar sort of thing. It's an off-the-shelf product that should actually have, by nature of being voice-commanded, high-level accessibility. Also, it wasn't that long ago when Google did their um, one of their updates. They had the blind woman on it demoing the image capture, taking a photo, and it blew you guys away, and rightly so. And yet, what, a year on? We're expecting every product release to have blindness or disability front and centre in the launches. I think that's a bit extreme. Just a couple of points that I thought might need to be voiced. Just trying to get things back into perspective, really. Love the show. Take care. Thank you, Paul. And uh, I will say for the keen-eared amongst you, there is nothing wrong with the clock in the background <laughs> of, of Paul. Uh, I was going to mention that. 
<laughs> just a slight edit by me just to, to firm up that uh, audio a little bit. So uh, apologies, Paul. My, I've edited your clock out of sync. So uh, don't be yes. going back and checking the batteries or making sure the strings are working as they should. It's all fine. I can't argue with any of the points there. I think that's that's the same um, opinion that I have, mm, to be yeah. honest. I think as well with the screen reader, that's interesting that like you were saying, because, you know, again, this device doesn't, to me, feel like it needs a screen reader. Um, it, it's a, it, you know, in the same way that an Amazon Echo, at least the voice version, the, the, the one without the screen, doesn't read or require one. Um, yeah. But, you know, yeah, this is a screenless device. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's working without a screen. Uh, friend of the show, Michael Babcock, uh, he is here as well with his thoughts. So I sat down to record this audio after I heard the chat about Humane with Mike Calvo. And then I kept listening to the episode. So we've got a few things to talk about. I'll try to keep it somewhat short. So the idea that Mike shared had me thinking, because I read his blog post before I listened to you guys' podcast. I appreciate the passion Mike has. I don't necessarily think that I agree with everything he had to say, but I think it's a discussion that we need to be having, and we should have been having it years ago, and maybe people were, but it wasn't as, as prevalent in my life as what it is now. Now, I'm going to say I or me in the future during this message, but it's implied that my reactions and thoughts are the same as others who have experienced this. I am not as efficient in accessibility guidance or accessibility law. I'm thinking of uh, some, you know, the, the WCAG 2.0. I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not that person. Okay. But I am someone who has no problem. And I've sat in several focus groups with telling an individual or group indiv of individuals how I'm experiencing their website, how I'm getting along with what I'm trying to do and where as a screen reader user, I'm struggling. Forever, I've thought about sending emails to companies, and I've done it in a lot of cases where I say, hey, I'm having these accessibility issues. Here's a video that shows you some of the problems that I'm encountering, but a lot of times I don't get responses. I was talking to Demasi the other day, and I said, hey, you know what maybe we should start doing? It's reaching out to companies and saying, hey, I have some accessibility challenges. Would you or someone from your team like to sit down in a Zoom meeting with me so I can share my screen and audio so you can hear exactly what's going on? Because then it leaves it open to the company to make a decision as to yes or no, I want to further engage and solve some of these accessibility challenges. But then it doesn't make me or other people have to go create video to actually show someone, here's an issue I'm having. I won't call them out, but there is a popular tool used for payroll. And this tool is kind of frustrating when it comes to the Mac. When I reported an accessibility issue to them, they told me, oh, well, our developers, granted this was after a couple of weeks, but oh, our developers were not able to duplicate that, but they didn't give me any more details. They didn't tell me, were they on the Mac or on Windows, and what tools were they using? And I think that, a lot of times, is where accessibility becomes a challenge. Let's loop this back to what Mr. Calva was talking about on Friday's show. AI is the new industry for technology. 
If you think about it, ChatGPT just became popular in November of 2022. Yes, it's been around for several years. Yes, the technology has grown. But ChatGPT is now a part of everyday language. My little brothers come home from school and they said, hey, so-and-so did this on ChatGPT. Or I can mention ChatGPT to a colleague or my wife or another person in the public. And a lot of times they know what I'm talking about. So it's not just a technology-related tool. But ChatGPT has unlabeled buttons. ChatGPT doesn't give you headings for each of the received messages that you get. And if ChatGPT right now is the, hey, as an AI tool, let's follow what OpenAI is doing and build tools that, that work well with this, shouldn't we be having conversations about accessibility and usability of the tools itself? <laughs> All right, this message turned in to be a little bit longer than I anticipated. So all I'll do is wrap up by saying, Stephen, if you like text adventure games, check out TimeCrest, check out Sortie Quest, and I want to get back on Sortie Quest. So if you play Sortie Quest, send in your gamer tag or whatever you send in. I forget what they're called. <laughs> Keep up the awesome work. Really appreciated the <laughs> candid conversation on Friday. And hopefully my rambling makes a little bit of sense. We're in the stage of AI. Let's be vocal about the challenges we face so we can actually make an impact on the next revolution of technology. Quick side note, I learned about an accessible chat GPT Chrome add-on. What are people's thoughts? Um, yeah, I think we'll be talking more about that actually in the coming days. But uh, yeah, I have to say, Michael, that, that was an incredible uh, statement from you and uh there's not a lot I can add to that. I think you, you told no. that pretty well, actually. So I don't think there's much more I need to say on that one. No, I've, I've got nothing to add. It stands on its own. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Really, really good. And I'll try your Sordi Quest silly game. But uh, yes. I... <laughs> You're turning into a real nerd. I'm going to become it. a proper nerd and we play Sordi Quest and, and Candy Quest or whatever the thing a is that of, I play. Bit yeah. of cosplay. Bit of D&D. &D. Ah. Fruit, Fruit Crush. That's what I'm looking forward to. Where's Fruit okay. Crush? Okay, no. That was the one right. on the Apple TV, wasn't it? You could slice fruit in half. It's the only time I ever got near a fruit. I'm slicing them in half on a game. I believe you're talking about Fruit Ninja. Oh, that's right, yes. There was no crushing involved, Stephen. <laughs> Sadly. Sadly. <laughs> it's me stamping on a melon for an hour. Um, okay, let's hear what Peter has to say on this. Hi, Stephen, Sean, and all double tappers. It's Pete from Robin Hood County. Hoping all is well with you. Thank you for all the emails, shows, and teaching me how to be blind like a grown-up. <laughs> Firstly, to... I think his name was Mike, who did the interview about Humane. Couldn't agree more. Very well expressed. And um, I hope that the company actually listens to what he has to say. Might have been better, actually, in accompaniment with that, to go onto the website and say, you forgot the disabled people, guys. How can you help? I always find it better to ask what they can do for us, you know. But we all have our ways of doing things, and I hope he gets what uh, he's hoping to hear. It's not a device I'm buying, though. I'm not forking out that kind of cash. Oops, that was a Sean moment. Secondly, <laughs> to the Nothing phone that has something called Nothing Chat. Going nowhere near that either. 
I've got privacy <laughs> issues with, with that. I don't want to go into nothing chats and then send over my Apple ID with all my bank details on and my keychains and stuff. Ooh, forget it. Nice toy. Probably pretty lights on the back, but I'll leave that one alone. But I don't criticise them for doing it. And lastly, to somebody a long while ago, I seem to think, was asking about gestures on the iPhone. Now, many moons ago, the great David Woodbridge did a demo when the iPhone X came out on a podcast called IC, spelled I-S-E-E. And the home button, which was a physical button, I'm told, was replaced using hounds and sounds and haptics, not hounds and saptics. And um, <laughs> it was a couple of clicks up for, you know, the home button, three clicks up for app switcher, that kind of thing. So investigate that. It's very old, but it's still in my library, so I've still got it. I wonder if he still does that podcast. Anyway, again, thank you for all the good shows. I'm off to pack now. I'm going on a cruise till the middle of December for rest, heat and booze and food as well. Anyway, (laughs) take care again, and I'll see you at the beginning of your... Take care. Your what? Ah, you'll love it. That's what you'll love. You'll love it. I'm so jealous. We're still going to do the double tap cruise at some point. That's got to happen. Blind people in a boat. What could possibly go wrong? Absolutely nothing, probably. Um, yeah, just so two things to be aware of. Always have some food as well. That's important. And amongst the booze, that's always good. We don't good. do booze. We don't know. We're, we're uh, purely soft drinks people. Yes. Know, to double tap. Sensible, sensible people. Um <laughs> But also, if you notice your feet getting wet, you've walked too far. Um, well just done. a little hint there. A little cruise tip. O and M instructor there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, goodness. Uh, the IC podcast from David Woodbridge, I don't think he's doing that anymore. I think he gave up. Or not gave up. And I think he's retired gave from doing up. it. He yeah, did he's, so he's, much work. He was he so constant doing that. And they were... They were uh, it, it, Exhaustive, I'm going to say. They were great. Do you know what's great about what David does? And, and he the IC podcast he does, but he also does a lot of work inside Vision Australia because that's his job. And he does a lot of audio content and video content for that. Humanware sent me over the brilliant BI20X and I've been playing with it and it's been great, but I had a few issues I wanted to resolve. So I went online looking for a tutorial. Of course, what comes up at David's tutorial. And that was the f- as soon as I heard his name, I'm like, right, I've got to check this out. That's so, the one. Yeah, I, I found it really useful. So, and, and that's I think that's what's great. You know, a lot of this technology we have, and especially in the specialist side, doesn't age that quickly. So, you know, you can get years and years of use out of that, you know, information yeah. because it's still relevant. You know, it's still going to be relevant for years to come. Um, I will talk more about that in the coming days, um, as well as the Stellar Trek, which I've been playing with from Humanware. Oh. Yeah, that's been an interesting one because, you know, I have to say I've, I've kind of wondered if it would be possible for me to have some kind of specialist tech for GPS and, and purposes of that sort, aside from my iPhone, not necessarily exclusively, but maybe alongside or otherwise. So I'll come back to you on that one. Uh, my Aww. full review will be coming soon. Oh, I'm interested in this. Does it perform better than an app? That's all I need to know, Stephen. Just let us know now. Go on. Uh, I'm not telling you. Okay. Uh, Thanks. Coming up tomorrow. <laughs> coming up tomorrow. 
<laughs> Even more conversation on this. Uh, lots of emails we didn't get to today. We will get to on tomorrow's show on this topic and more. Loads of you getting in touch on a range of different topics. Keep that coming. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. And also one eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven is our voicemail number. Just a quick note to say as well, thank you to all of you who are putting in the uh, ideas for the Double Tap Holiday Gift Guide. We're going to put a special episode together. I'll tell you more about that tomorrow, but a special episode all around the gift guide in December. So that coming. Uh, thank you for all your ideas so far. Uh, it's going to cost me a fortune this year, so thank you for that. Uh, show back tomorrow. Catch you then. Bye-bye. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.